Episode 26 of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Ba-da-da-da. So, Nick, how have you been? I'm James, by the way. You're Nick. Oh, I'm Nick, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've been fine. How have you been? I have also been fine. Now that the pleasantries are out of the way, <laughs> should we talk about The Simpsons? <laughs> I think that's best. That's what we do on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> Uh, what, talk about The Simpsons or be pleasant? Ah, uh, it's, it's not a particularly pleasant podcast. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a lot of harsh, grating noises. Uh, and that is the feedback. Weird, weird uh, hugely specific segues. That is the <laughs> feedback we do get from our listeners. Not a particularly pleasant podcast. One piece of feedback we got recently is that we're not talking about Colossus enough. Which I frankly found astounding, because yeah. I, I kind of feel like that's all I talk about. But. Yeah, because there was an instance, uh, which episode, we were talking about the episode where the nuclear plant... Has a meltdown. Yeah, and the funny thing is, at the time of recording, that episode hasn't even gone up yet, and somebody's already sending us messages, yeah. asking us if we think it's a Colossus plot, yeah. which I don't believe we even allude to in no. the episode itself. No, I do not, th- I was too busy thinking about other things. Butterfinger mostly. Even- oh, <laughs> Did we record that after the Butterfingers crash? I don't remember. No, I think it would have been before. I think, But anyway, whatever. Um, today we're looking at Season 3, Episode 10, Flemin' Moves. And we're looking at Season 3, Episode 11, Wish Me Luck Everyone, Burns Ver Kaufen der Kraftwerk. You sure you want to do the accent? Burns, <laughs> Burns Ver Kaufen der Kraftwerk. Yes. I wonder which, if I can get, like, Google to say it for me. Which should be Burns for Kraft Dustcraft work, apparently, which would be a translation of Burns Sells the Power Plant. Uh, I know that's the second episode we're covering today, but while we're on the topic of the name, what happened there was they picked a name that didn't translate properly under the assumption that nobody would ever know what the episodes were named outside of the internal team working on them. Sure. They did not predict DVD technology somehow, or just the uh, the fact that people would want to know what the episodes were called. Hmm. So that's why it's got a bullshit name. Okay, interesting. Flaming Moe's, on the other hand, perfectly reasonable name for an episode Flaming about Mo- Flaming Moe's. It's a good name, actually. Yeah, it'll do. I like it. Um, My first note for this episode sure. is uh, that the noodles that I had for lunch were extraordinarily hot. Very hot. Very hot to, oh. Spicy or temperature hot? Temperature hot. Just holding them in my hands was an unpleasant experience. So yeah. that's uh, so I felt like maybe that was going to co- color part of uh, how I interpreted this episode. But I think I, so I think I got through it. While everyone in Springfield was was sucking down on flaming moes, you were having some flaming noodles. Yeah, chowing down on noodles. Interesting. Yeah. Um, my first note on this one has nothing to do with what we had for lunch. It is in the Ion Springfield segment when they're doing the intro music and lots of smash cuts between various scenes around Springfield. I really enjoy that they zoom in on the Aztec cinema, which is closed for repair. <laughs> Do you remember when every show on TV looked exactly like Ion Springfield? Yes. There was that period of time where that just is what TV was. Yeah, a lot of smash cuts of smiling people doing things. Yep, just a newscaster wandering around talking to pseudo-celebrities and looking at a lot of women in bikinis. Do you remember how women wearing little clothing used to be... Like every TV show that was on after about 9.30. Yeah, and the only selling point you needed is that there were women. Yeah. In little clothing. Yeah, and they'd be like, every show is called like the Drongo Show or something. It would be, you know, two old mates would show up and just say Drongo shit. Hey, it's me, uh, Keith Dinglefuck. Are you talking specifically about Blokes World? Blokes World was one of them. Yeah. It was what, like, the guy show or something? And, like, oh, Fuckstain uh, Mountain and... The the man show with Jimmy Kimmel? Was that one? I think that was a thing. Right. Jimmy Kimmel's got a, a sordid past, definitely. Yeah. What era was that? That was, like, early... That was up until about 2006, I want to say. That was every show on TV. Yeah. I, After yeah. a certain time of night, it was just, like, two blokes in a ute uh, talking to swimsuit models... About whether they bleached their butts or not. 
Well, that went deep. Yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, I could have gone harsher. I just used the word butts. I didn't, you know, it seemed yeah. I didn't want to go too vulgar. Yeah. Okay. This is not a vulgar podcast. Fair enough. It's um, fairly vulgar. Iron Springfield, a uh, great show. Is this the first the first time Iron Springfield's popped up? I think it is. I feel like it must be because the intro is so stretched out. Yeah. And I also like how long that that show appears to go for because we keep cutting back to other interstitial scenes of uh, Lisa's friends having a sleepover. Mm. And we keep cutting back to Homer and he's and Iron Springfield's still going. I reckon it's like a three hour long show. Did you, did the scenes of Lisa having a slumber party have the odd melancholy effect on you that they had on me? Uh, what, like a, rem- uh, a, a nostalgic reminiscence for sleepovers gone by? No, no, well, oh. I thought you were going to go with a melancholia joke there and talk about the Kirsten Dunst film that I assume you haven't seen, but which I really like, but, um... Do you want me to well, talk about skate band, uh, skate punk band Millencolin? If you want to. All right. Have you got anything to say about them? Um, Life on a Plate, one of the more seminal pop punk albums. Life on a Plate. Yeah. Okay. What did what did that refer to? Uh, the artwork was a um, like a a canary with crosses for its eyes, the international symbol for being dead. Yeah. On a plate. Or just munted. Or just. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to munted world. <laughs> Um, now we've got uh, two Sheilas in the studio with us in bikinis. <laughs> yeah. um, We're going to talk about our ute and the beers that we enjoy drinking. Uh, okay, uh, Fat Yak, uh, James Wise Hop Thief, yep. Cooper's Pale. Um, those are probably my top three. I'm partial to a Pirate Life. I had a Swell Pale Ale the other night. Oh, swell, the... Swell's really good. Yeah, Swell's fantastic. Yeah, I'm yeah. into it. Um, man, South Australia has a lot of good local breweries. Yeah. Uh, this South is- Australian Tourism Board if you'd like to throw some money our way we'd be more than happy to keep talking about the beers but it, please do we do need some uh, remuneration is it uh, an issue that Pirate Life has recently been bought out by the big boys it is an issue for me I think uh, yeah. I am concerned about what that's going to mean because the thing about like the thing I like about Pirate Life is that a lot of their beers are aggressively hoppy um, and I feel like that now mm. that they've been bought out by the same people that do Heineken and Beck's and all that stuff, mm. they're going to say, well, you know, you'd sell more of these if they weren't so interesting. Yeah. How about you dull them down a bit and then increase this? And then at that What point, if the beer was bad? Yeah. <laughs> How what about if that? It was bad, guys? Because Australians famously love bad beer. Mmm. Mmm. So much about Australian beer culture that I like, and so much that I hate. Yeah, partway through this, I thought, are we going too far off topic? And I thought, no, this episode's about a bar, we're good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, bringing it all back to the tone of the episode... Uh, I, I should go back, actually, I was talking about the the thing making me melancholy, Lisa's sleepover. Oh, yes. Okay. And I probably well. shouldn't just leave that hanging forever, although I would like to jump to my next point. No, Lisa's sleepover. No, especially because you've alluded several times to the, um, you know, the the black period where you were living in my spare bedroom. Yeah. It would be nice if you just alluded to random <laughs> melancholia and then never went back to resolve it. That could be a running theme, you think? Just uh, melancholy <laughs> that happened at some point? Well, okay. James's melancholy corner. This scene where Lisa's in her bed with the this group of friends, I was thinking... Is this both the first and last time we see Lisa with a large group of friends just, like, having fun like a kid? Huh. Do we ever see anything like this again? I, like, just going through my mind, I remember her hanging out with Janie once in, like, season seven or eight when she becomes a babysitter. Sure. Yeah. I can't think of any other scene where Lisa... Is like hanging around with a group like that, unless it's the focus of the entire episode. Yeah, like when they go to the when they go to the beachside town and she yeah, sweet most will crap my car. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think you might be right. This is the only time we see Lisa with friends. So that's where the melancholia really got to me. Just this right. little girl, fun, living her life, knowing that somewhere in town, the nefarious Doctor Colossus is scheming to bring it all down. Is he? He might be. 
What? To, I'm just trying to appeal to that one guy. <laughs> what do you more mean? Colossus stuff. Do you mean to to bring down the town of Springfield that she lives in, or to bring down her sleepover? I feel like Colossus <laughs> has bigger targets than an eight year old girl's sleepover. I think Colossus targets are numerous and wide reaching, and I think that's See. going to become clearer and clearer as we go. So Lisa's slumber party. Uh, they chase down Bart. Yes, they want to give him a makeover. And uh, he leaps out a window. Yep. From the second story of his house. Yep. We hear him hit the ground. Mm. What's the, what's going on there? Uh, I don't want to presuppose that there's an incident at Owl Creek Bridge situation. Incident at Owl Creek Bridge? Yeah, where the whole thing's a death dream. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay, sure. Um, uh, I mean, it it could be because, well, the sorry, I'm trying to figure this out because he jumps out of the window, and then all the like Lisa and all her friends are watching it happen, and then Lisa just with no concern turns around and beckons Maggie over so they can give Maggie the makeover. Yeah. So I assume Bart's fine. I imagine Homer just leaves the house completely to go drink. Yeah. Well, his son lies on the pavement somewhere with a shattered skull. Right. Probably. I mean, I don't think... What, is there pavement under Bart's window? Uh, not after this episode. Not they had after to get it removed. Oh, it was all cracked. Yeah. From his little boy skull. <laughs> his skull cracked the pavement? Yes. Very ah. thick skull. Yeah, he's operating on cartoon logic, I suppose. He's it's like Wile E. Coyote. Sure. Speaking of uh, little Maggie, who is, in my mind, one of the original five Simpsons. Okay, in- interesting theory. <laughs> yeah. um, the other night, you know I have a quiz night, I go to a quiz night with my quiz team, the Moops, mm-hmm. a few of whom listen to this podcast. Dwayne, how are you going? V, etc., you know who you are. Um, Hello, Moops. The, uh, one of the questions this week in quiz was... In quiz? Yes, sure. It was an ink quiz. Uh, one of the questions was something along the lines of which cartoon baby is uh, shown to be worth this amount of dollars, which was a reference oh, to the... okay. And I sat there for a moment thinking about it. Opening credits, scanning, yeah. when they scanned, ba- Mar- uh, scanned Maggie at the checkout, yeah. And uh, my friend across from me had the sheet snapped into action. He's like, ah, oh, it's Maggie, wrote it down. And I looked and said, oh, yeah, of course. And the whole table turns to me like, don't you have a podcast about this fucking show? How did you not get the answer? Why did somebody else get it? And they also say, you must feel really embarrassed. I said, no, I feel fine. I don't know anything. The huh. entire reason we started this podcast is because we failed at a quiz night <laughs> focused on The Simpsons. Yeah, we failed hard at that Simpsons quiz night. When Homer goes to Moe's, Moe is upset because fewer people are going to the bar because of increased job and life satisfaction, which are apparently poison for purveyors of whatever he says. Uh, intoxicant, Mind-numbing intoxicants. Mind-numbing intoxicants. Which, um, hearing this line, I can't remember the last time you could joke about life being too good for people to drink. Yeah. Feels like right. that is well in the past. So far in the past that I can barely see it. Also, I kind of disagree with that as a general concept. Like, I see, you know, he's trying to... He's trying... Well, the joke is to emphasise the, the dinginess of, of Moe's bar. Mm. But I don't mind a beer when I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But maybe maybe Moe's Tavern is a, a bar that relies on the unhappiness of the, of the people who go to it. Possibly. Yeah. It does kind of have a soul-sucking atmosphere to it, I think. Soul-sucking atmosphere. Yeah, no, that, I mean, the dank, for one thing. Oh, the dank. Yes. Um, I really enjoy that uh, when Mo... So he's run out of beer, which I love I love that he doesn't... Has forgotten. Yeah, so he got behind on his payments, yep. and then they cut off his beer supply. And I love that he doesn't factor that into why there are maybe fewer customers <laughs> coming in. Um, but then he refers to an old cocktail chart from when he went to bar school bartender school um and and he doesn't know what a gin and tonic is i have to say gin and tonics quite good Mm. probably 
and this is a big call now, probably my favorite spirit-based drink. Oh, that is a big call. I mean, it's also a very easy call. They are definitely the best. What would you say your... So, are you joining me in, um, in ranking gin and tonics on I'm top? I'm all about gin and tonic. I've been drinking gin and tonic consistently for like four years now. I'm all about it. Do I, I have a drinking problem? Well, I mean, you haven't been drinking them constantly. You've been drinking them consistently. There's a very important distinction That's there. That's true. I've been trying to only take little sips of this drink in between in between uh, conversations here. Um, are you a lemon or a lime person? I'm a lime person. I alternate. Some gins, you want lime. Some, you want uh, lemon. Some, you want a slice of orange or something like that. Sometimes sure, you don't sure, even sure, want sure, a citrus. Sure. You want like some juniper berries, a bit of... Uh, mm-hmm. Bit of something else, quite often like a like a dried orange peel. Sure, maybe yep. some blood orange. Sure, yes. I am enough of a gin wanker that sometimes I will specifically want a certain citrus for a specific kind of gin, and I will make that request in the bar. No, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I just because the I mean the the, the botanicals and the flavor compounds within mm. gin are so varied that it is actually perfectly fine to make that call alcohol always seems like a risky thing to become an expert in why i don't think so <laughs> i mean there are th- there are people listening going well of course you don't think so <laughs> but no I, I don't think there's an issue with that you're probably right i've always had a difficult relationship with this idea though like i remember when the the guy who worked at the bar at the uni i went to started to know what i wanted to drink i started to feel very weird about it have I told this story on the podcast? Yeah, I, no, yeah, I don't believe you've told that story. I, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, I once went down, uh, uh, down to. So, I suppose I suppose I should give some context. The university that I went to, we and, both went to the same university for that, a period of time that you were also at. Um, were had a, an area that was kind of like a bar, kind of like a cafe. It was all kind of melded into one kind of thing yep, it, it used to have a bunch of long stretch of bar that also yeah. did like breakfast and food and yeah and then it was coffee would, yeah so in this big area so i went down there to get a coffee before my lecture i reckon it was about quarter to 11 in the morning and i had an 11 o'clock lecture um went down there to get a coffee because uh, i thought i could do with the walk because our university was on a hill so it was a nice steep walk back up to the thing i thought great I'm here early, I'll start with a coffee, bit of a walk, what's not to love? As I'm approaching the place to order the coffee, the guy, the bar guy sees me, um, I get distracted talking to someone else that I bump into, I get to the bar and he's got a pint of Cooper's Pale sitting on the bar ready to go and he points and I'm like, eh, eh, see, eh? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I mean it is... It's not even 11 a.m. though, and um, and I, I actually just came here for a coffee, and his response was, "Ah, oh, okay, well, I'll have to, um, I'll have to just pour that down the sink." But tell you what, I'll go make the coffee, and if it's not there when I get back, then well, I was, I'm, you know, I'm not going to charge you for it because I was going to throw it down the sink anyway. So cue me at 10 to 11 in the morning, uh, sculling a beer, and then. Having a coffee and walking back up the hill. Now tell me, can you reveal exclusively on this podcast, were you playing the long con on this guy? Was the whole plan to drink so much beer that he would start instinctively serving you beers, which you would then say you did not intend to order? Were you playing a long con just to get free beers out of this guy? Are you su- How many times did you pull this trick off? Are you suggesting I was doing like a... a- Pavlov's dog training thing where me walking into this building has the effect of him instantly pouring beers. I like that you, you took, yeah, you turned into a psychological concept. Sure, that's... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I did... You could or- hear your specific footsteps. I <laughs> just start pouring the well, beer automatically. I did wear a bell. <laughs> um, um, Pavlov's dog had a bell in the experiment, right? I think so. Yeah, ring the bell, dog eats the food. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, it wasn't a long con. It was just he he knew me better than I knew myself, I think, is what we're finding out here. Because <laughs> you know what? I drank the beer and I really enjoyed it. And you do it again. <laughs> and, I, and I'll do it again. <laughs> and again and again. <laughs> we should talk about the flaming mo itself, I suppose, because oh, yeah. it's a fucking weird little thing. Uh, when we see Homer make the, the flaming mo for the first time... 
seems very heavy on alcohol. Well, he, he says pu- he gets all the little bits from all the leftover bottles in the liquor cabinet, right? Yeah. So that's going to be a potent mix. And the only non-alcoholic thing in there is the cough syrup. Yes. Um, and then he burns it with fire. Yeah. And burning it with fire will remove some of the alcohol because it is the alcohol that's burning. Um, but it's interesting because on the one hand, it, I imagine it would be extremely potent. On the other hand, I kind of liken it to a Long Island iced tea. Long Island iced tea is a lot of spirits, a little bit of Coke, and yet it doesn't taste anywhere near as aggressively mm. spirity as it should. So maybe it's actually just a very delicate mix of the spirits, which balance each other out in a way that makes it not so potent. Now, Mo, when he steals the idea for the drink from Homer and starts serving it, he charges six ninety five for it, and he serves it in both a long glass and a stein. Yes. So that's basically a stein of straight alcohol with some cough syrup. Yeah, seems a bit intense, doesn't it? Yeah. You would think you would have one of those and you'd be plastered. Nobody even seems to get that drunk in the course of this episode. No. And people are asking for like, hey, bring us another jug of that delicious flaming Mo. Yeah. Which should reasonably cost $180. At least. <laughs> for a jug. At least. Yeah. Um... The other thing that I find interesting about the Flaming Mo, I just realised that at the top of this page I wrote Epidode instead of Episode. Oh, good. That's good. Um, The other thing about the Flaming Mo that I find kind of interesting is that the whole, you know, one of the major plot points in it is that Homer invented it and then Mo stole it and claimed it as his own and that's what made the bar really popular. The bar still could have become as popular if it was called the Flaming Homer. Yeah, like, I don't think the drink needs to be named after the bartender for it to be a popular venue. Um, I realised that today for the first time in watching this episode. I was like, yeah, hang, that's interesting. hang on a minute, this entire thing could have been... And obviously it comes back to that thing of, yeah, but Nick, if they did that, there wouldn't be a story. I get, <laughs> I, I get that. But even but, if they had made it clear that Homer was the inventor of the drink. Yeah, there'd be no downsides to that, really. No, none at all. Yeah. And yet, you know... Because Homer doesn't have the license to serve liquor. It's not like he could have gone and done this on his own initiative. No. I mean, it's not like he would ever open up a bar in his own garage that we see, I think, in season 13 or something. I mean, if they just made it that Homer... Mo bought the recipe from Homer for a very low amount of money and became very wealthy from it and that was the conflict. Mm. Are we fixing The Simpsons? Uh, Well, I don't know if this episode needs fixing. Matt Groening, if you're out there, we got (laughs) ideas. Uh, If you ever looked at Remake Season 3, we got this, we got all the stuff from the Jewish Dad episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it just struck me as a thing of like, hang on a minute, this could have been easily avoided. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't, I didn't even think of it this time with pen and paper in hand. Mm. Uh, I did think the whole thing escalated very fast, mm-hmm. and I was trying in to terms think of, in terms of Mo's success or in terms of the feud between Homer and Mo, or both. Uh, Mo's success, largely, I'd say. Mo's it, success. it seems like word of this drink spreads very fast. Mm. However, and you know I, what comes with Mo money? Mo problems. That's true. Problems for Mo. Yeah. Problems with mowing. Have you got any mowing stories, by the way? <laughs> episode 10. <laughs> okay. If you want to hear some mowing stories? I think it's Go and be 10. like the first person to listen to episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> Which remains one of our least popular episodes. I'm actually just going to check to see if it is episode 10. It might be 11, I think. It was the... um. have changed the... What was it? Don't listen to our podcast during the podcast. I didn't realise. No, I had to get to the information screen. It's episode... Yeah, you're right. It's episode yeah. 11. Yeah, um, Dancing Homer and uh, Dead Putting Society. Yes. Uh, take your putters and throw them away. Throw them away. Don't know why that's the one and only Robin Williams line that I... Anyway. Uh, it's a stampede! There you go. Now, now we've got two Robin Williams lines. Sure. Uh, I think that's from Jumanji. I would assume so. Um, which other which other Robin Williams films have stampedes in them? Is there a is there a stampede scene in Insomnia? Insomnia, yeah, with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. Is there a stampede scene in Patches? Patches, Patches. <laughs> you mean Patch Adams? I wasn't intentional. Yeah, Patch Adams. There we go. Is there one in Death to Smoochie? You know who directed Death to Smoochie? 
Um, itchy and scratchy. Danny DeVito. Oh, oh it all, I mean, I was going to say it all links back, but this is actually just nonsense. <laughs> I have to go now. The DeVitz needs me. Is there a real world equivalent to the sorry, I was Morris? Sorry, I was just reading your shirt that says, I have to go now. The DeVitz needs me. And then a picture of you. It myself. A picture of you floating towards Danny DeVito. It's um, the cover for Nirvana, except it's me naked and DeVito is the dollar bill. Um, Hey, I'll make that t-shirt for you. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, is there a real world equivalent to the Flaming Mile? Have you ever gone to a bar just because they have one specific drink that's really good? Because to me, it's always just like the bar is good. Yeah. And they have a lot of good drinks. Uh, yeah. But they don't... Like, I don't know if I've ever been to a bar where it's like, this is the only bar that knows how to make this specific thing. See, there... I think there are some bars in the world that are famous for being the place that a certain drink was invented. Mm. Like, I think there's a place in, uh, oh God, in Singapore, Harry's Bar, I think, that invented some cocktail. But everywhere does that cocktail now. Mm. Because as um, Lionel Hutz points out, there's no copyright in a cocktail. Yeah. Um, uh, And then it talks about the Frank Wallbanger case. Which I enjoy, yeah. Because I've well, I've never had a Harvey Wallbanger um, cocktail, but I know that there's a cocktail called a Harvey Wallbanger, <laughs> so I enjoyed the reference to Frank Wallbanger. <laughs> it's nice to understand a joke. Um, it, yeah, vodka, <laughs> orange juice, and Galliano is a Harvey Wallbanger. But going back to the thing, uh, so that whilst I understand that there are definitely are bars around the world that are famous for inventing cocktails, I've certainly never been to one. I tend to go to dive bars that are. <laughs> Shit. Oh, hey, you know how in Melbourne, uh, and also at the Cranker they do this now, at the Crown and Anchor in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, you know, pickleback shots are a thing? Yeah. Whiskey chase with a shot with um, uh, juice from a pickle... Yeah, um, pickle, pickle brine, yeah. Pickle brine. Um, I was at... Um, where was I in Melbourne? I was at... In Carlton, maybe? And there was uh, a woman at the bar that wanted to do a pickleback shot, and the bartender said oh sorry we don't actually have any pickle brine and she said well what else have you got that's close and he said i could do you an olive back shot and she said that sounds gross so then they did it together and this is what i watched them do uh except the bar guy definitely didn't drink on the job i've just realized i named the bar but anyway whatever um responsible service of alcohol laws i can can bleep that yeah sure. i learned i figured out how to bleep (laughs) nice um so it was a shot of gin, which gin is, in my humble experience... Gin's not a good shotting alcohol. Not a shotting alcohol. A shot of gin followed by a shot of olive brine. Um, Fuck off. That's terrible. I know, right? And I'm a, I, I know that you're not an olive lover. No. I, I am an olive lover. So much that I sing... Uh, I take Lover Lover by Jimmy Barnes and I make it Olive Lover. And then sing that to myself while uh, eating olives. Um, <laughs> olive lover, con. I me. keep telling you, you stop singing with your mouth full of olives. No, it's I disgusting. Refuse. I refuse. flying everywhere. <laughs> Tappenhart. Um, and yeah, and I they she uh, they they did the uh, the Olivec shot. She turned around to walk away from the bar. I said, "How was that?" And she went fucking terrible and kept walking. <laughs> Anyway, Olive Back shots. Hey, no, um, Olive Back girl. That's so for sure. it is possible that Carlton did invent a cocktail. Stop saying the name of the place. Oh yeah, it is possible that the the, the, the pub that I went to that definitely complies with responsible service and alcohol laws did invent a thing called an Olive Back shot. But guess what? I'm never going back there. What? Where again? Sorry. Uh, bleep. I'm never going back there for that specific drink. Okay. Okay. I mean, you, you didn't you, go there for that specific drink at all, though. You didn't even have the drink in that this is, anecdote. That is correct. It sounds disgusting. See, mad fucked. Did you, have you been to anywhere for a specific drink? No, I just go to bars that are nice, and I know all the drinks are good. Do you want to tell the story about uh, when you escalated that argument that, at the Warradale Hotel with the, when we were drinking the blueberry cocktails? 
Yeah, sure. I feel like this is a shared anecdote. Yeah. Maybe I'll remember half of it. You'll remember half of it. Okay. So if you give the setup, I can say you can, my you can part of it. Yeah. So we were um, uh, we were having a bit of a drinking session a couple of years ago now at what was my local is no longer my local. Um, and I don't know if we were on a mission to like, I, I don't remember if we were sick of beer that day. Or if we were just on a mission to drink things that weren't beer. I think we were just heavy drinkers. I th- yeah, I think yeah. so too. So we ended up ordering some, it was called like a blueberry bash or something. It was some like very nice looking cocktail that maybe had some mint in it and then, you know, a bunch of whatever. Uh, and it came out as these lovely purple drinks in like, martini glasses. And um, so some patron of the pub walked past and said, oh, those are girls drinks. And... I said, there's no such thing as a girl's drink. But then you really pulled the ripcord (laughs) and hit the eject button and all other metaphors I can find for escalation. I went went all in on this and said to to her, how do you know that we identify as men? Yes. Which is, look, very valid point. Mm. But also... Man, I wasn't prepared to get into that discussion on that particular night. It's a real two-pronged assault on this uh, yeah. this woman's preconceived notions of uh, gender conformity vis-a-vis alcohol. Yes, and I think my favourite thing about it is that it wasn't it wasn't a one-two punch. We both yelled at her at the same time. Yeah, because they were out of one-two punch. Our favourite kind of punch that night. Oh, that's pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, that story doesn't really have a resolution because she just looked at us weirdly and walked away. But Yeah, that's how a lot of our interactions with women end, though. <laughs> but the point is, we're heaps progressive and we want everyone to know about it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the Flaming Mo, uh, God, there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode. Hugh Jass is in that. I really like him. He's a chill dude. Uh, eventually, of course... Uh, the they find out because Homer does a Phantom of the Opera thing in the rafters and reveals that it's cough syrup that was the secret ingredient. Mm-hmm. Tipsy McStagger gets the gets the gets the recipe. Yep, and soon everyone's making a knockoff version of the Flaming Mo. Sure, nobody gets the Mo's anymore. Few thoughts on this. Sure, one thing: knowing how people are. People are still going to go to the original bar to get the original Flaming Mo. Yeah, like if how- it becomes the most popular drink in town. Yeah, people are going to want the original experience still. That's going to be part of the attraction of Mo's Tavern. But also, watching a lot of The Simpsons, I get the impression that there are no good bars in this town. In the episode yeah. where. Homer needs to find another bar because he gets kicked out. Mm-hmm. There's really nowhere. There's like the Cheers bar. Mm. There's the bar that's too classy. And this one, he goes to some dive bar where the guy points a shotgun at him. Mm. Most heaven is really all they have. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of pop-up bars once the Mo recipe comes out. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. People would still go back to the... Although, to be fair, there is that line where someone says... I hate the place, but this drink is just so good. Yeah, but where else do you go? There's no good bars in town. And the very next episode, Burns for Cuffed into Craftwork, when they need to go to a bar, they end up at Moe's. Yes, that's true. That's very true. So we move on to Burns for Craft and uh, De Craftwork? I had a few more things I wanted to say. I'll get them out quickly, though. Okay. Sorry, I saw you turn a page. I didn't realize it's because you had multiple notes. <laughs> I got notes coming out of my eyeballs. Homer loses his mind. And starts to see Mo everywhere, and Mo. hears the word Mo everywhere. Mo. And that's very strange. I don't quite know Mo. what to make of this specific form of psychosis. Sure. And it seems like a specific Simpson thing where somebody gets weird and starts saying someone's name a lot. They say Mo or Patty or, you know, that sort Patty. of thing. Yes. So that's a whole weird thing. There's a, seg- there's a subplot in this episode about Edna trying to fuck everyone that I like. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, you, you like the subplot or Edna's trying to fuck everyone that you like? I like the subplot. I like okay, that Edna's sorry. just wandering around. There's also this thing in the early seasons of The Simpsons where Edna is really impressed by Martin Prince. Mm. I, I kind of, I like it when that stops happening and she becomes just as exasperated with him as everyone else. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that turn that's in a, her character. That's a good turn. Yeah. Are you pro-Martin Prince or anti-Martin Prince? Oh, I'm pro Martin as a character on a TV show that I watch. I'm sure if I knew the sure. little shit, I'd be irritated by him. Excellent. Yeah. Good, good response. Nice and thorough. 
So, overall, solid episode, but um, this next episode, I've noticed I've gone into this habit of if I'm really enjoying an episode, midway through, I'll turn to the, the first page of my notes and under the tile, I will write, this episode rules, or this episode fucking rules. I can or, see this episode rules. This episode rules, I've got under Burns, Verkaufen, De Kraftwerk, which is funny because this is another episode that I didn't necessarily have super strong memories of liking a lot. Sure. But I was laughing like a dickhead during this episode. <laughs> I was like one of those guys on one of those 90s, early 2000s TV shows, you know, two fucks in a ute or whatever. Just, you know, downing VB and uh, talking about, you know, the people they disrespect. Oh, sorry, I had a weird moment there. This is a bit behind the scenes, but I had a weird moment where I enjoyed your title of Two Fucks and a Ute. So I turned away from the microphone and just enjoyed it. And then I went, oh, hang on, I'm not laughing. No one knows that I'm enjoying this. It's an audio medium. I need to make it more clear. Otherwise, people are just going to be like, where's Nick gone? He's just despairing over his idiot friend and his dumb observations. Yes. Speaking of dumb observations, one of the first things we see in this episode, actually that might be a lie, I don't remember where it comes, but we see Homer's stockbroker, a character that you particularly enjoy. (laughs) So I'd forgotten about this guy entirely. By the way, this is the episode where Burns sells the plant to Germans. Sure. Yeah. So... Homer's stockbroker, this um, <laughs> slovenly, pasty freak of a man, pasty, on death door, husk of a shell of a man. Um, uh, could it be Norm? Ooh. Because we do not find out the stockbroker's first or last name. Homer doesn't seem the... to know who he is. Uh, well, he's, he's surprised that he has a stockbroker, although yep. you're right, he does know Norm, so if it was Norm, there would be a reference Although there to is that. just the possibility he has forgotten Norm since Christmas. Yes. See, this is funny, because I because, looked at this because, guy... Because depending on which theory you go by, it was either Christmas three years ago, if we're taking each season as a year... Or, if you go by my theory that everything's happening at once in multiple universes, and this, just a reminder, this isn't omelette egg flip theory, this is multiple universe theory. Sure. Um, then maybe the Christmas pageant hasn't happened yet, and he hasn't actually met Norm. And it's just That's a, a possibility. And it's just a stockbroker. See, the thing is, I look at this doughy, pasty, free, broken man, and my mind immediately goes to Colossus. Colossus? My note here is vaguely colossus E. I don't know whether that means he's affected by Colossus, if he's related to Colossus, but it really got me thinking, there's a dark underbelly to Springfield, and this man is part of it, I think. Mmm, interesting. This man is like one of the residents of the Black Lodge of Springfield. Is the that Black a, Lodge. Is, that a, is it Twin Peaks? Yeah, thing? of course. Yeah, okay. It all is. It is. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like the scene above the convenience store in a firewalk with me. He's like the, the dancing man with the mask. Now, let me see if I got this straight. It yep. starts off as, I think, Blue Lodge is the easiest of the lodges. That's meant for beginners. Yes, sure. And then it goes up to like a Red Diamond, and that's for kind of intermediate, like the Red Diamond Lodge. And then Black yeah. Lodge is, is the hardest. That's only for yeah. that's only for seasoned lodges. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I was waiting to see if a second joke would come into that. <laughs> no. No, it's a long... It's just ski. A long, drawn-out reference to skiing. And perhaps to snowboarding. I don't know if they use the same nomenclature. I don't know. They never got into their 1080 snowboarding, which was really my only, my only. I was talking about that can the other day. 1080. And how I would always pick the board that was called Tahoe. Tahoe. Yeah. Yeah. Or was that a course? <laughs> Seems like a fairly fundamental, important detail. If it's your entire anecdote. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Don't look it up now. It's not okay. that important. I won't. Um, so, uh, Norm, the stockbroker, Norm, Dr. Norman Colossus, the stockbroker, <laughs> gives some pretty astonishing advice to Homer to sell it at $25 when later that afternoon the value went up to 5200 Yeah, which is um, apparently $25 is uh, not that much money back mm. then. Well, $5,200 is a life-changing amount of money. Mm. There's something strange happening in this. This like, is uh, everyone bought luxury cars with their $5,200. Yeah. Or really amazing, like, facial surgery. 
I should point out, just in case the... Sounds like a weird bird noise there. No, it's it's there's a storm happening outside, and that was a very large gust of wind that whistled through oh, my Oh, is that windows. what that was? I thought it was a bird. Yeah, so just in case the microphone picked that up. I, I couldn't hear it in my headphones, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, so $5,200 is apparently enough to change your life forever. Forever, yeah. Whereas $25 will get you either a haircut... A car wash or a hammer. Mm, a All hot, things that I believe would cost less than $25 Australian a, now. A hot wax car wash. Mm. Um, yeah, no, you can get a hammer for, for free. Basically. I mean, a haircut costs like $35, but you that's... steal a hammer. Yeah. Yeah, in but what... if you only have two hairs... In what world are hammers and haircuts costing the same? Hmm. Does a hammer... I mean, how much does a hammer cost? It's been a while since I've had to buy a hammer. Do you want me to pull up the Bunnings website on the computer? Uh, no, I don't think so. I reckon hammers are one of those things that there will be a surprising range. I reckon you could pick up a hammer for a dollar fifty, yeah, and you could easily splurge fifty or sixty bucks on a top of the line hammer. I think you're probably right. Yeah, if you were buying a hammer, do you think you'd go top range, mid range, low range? Uh, I always go low range on just about everything. I remember a few years ago having this moment. Well, thanks for letting me answer your question. <laughs> Sorry, we'll come back to your answer. I remember years ago buying a lamp. And Fuck. it was the um, the first time in my life where I consciously thought, I'm going to buy a good lamp. I'm going to spend a bit of money. I'm going to get a nice lamp you're talking that I like. Desk, you're talking desk lamp, floor lamp? It was a desk lamp. Desk lamp. Now, I remember as a child being in a lighting store with my parents, looking at different lighting solutions for the house and thinking... Is this what adults are into? Do adults find this interesting? Am I someday going to reach a point in my life where specific lighting solutions are a thing that I care about? I really enjoy that you're referring to it as lighting solutions because that is, you have drank the bloody, the the light shop Kool-Aid at that point. <laughs> you're not just referring to it as, you know, products. They're, they're solutions. Now that you mention it, they did serve me a lot of Kool-Aid while I was in the office works looking at the... Uh, the lamps. I ended up buying like a fairly nice lamp. And I remember thinking, well, this is it. This is adulthood. This is the moment where a lamp matters to me. So going back to whatever my question was to you about tools or a hammer or whatever the fuck. Um, uh, I once bought a floor lamp from Ikea. Yeah. And the name of the product is not N-O-T, which I enjoy because I I found it eventually and I went, aha, this is not the lamp I am looking for. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I like to imagine you were alone when you said that. You just turned to somebody behind you and they say, a pardon? <laughs> there it is. The smartest thing you'll, I'll ever say and no one was here to hear it. Um, and, uh, no, I'd probably go for the middle of the range in the habits because I suspect... I mean, there, there are lots of things that I will buy the bottom end of the range of. Mm. Hammers, you swinging that thing around, you don't want the head flying off. That's true. Might get right into your eye, like right in the Simpsons movie. <sighs> Which I know is your favourite movie. Uh, no, no, it's not. Somewhere in your top 100. Probably in your top 50, if we're being realistic. <laughs> Considering how few movies you watch. <laughs> That's probably a good point. Just hating a movie gets it in there. That's probably a good point, to be honest. Now, um, there's a bit where Homer gets home. It goes above Requiem for a Dream. Have you seen that? Is that Jared Leto? I haven't seen it. Oh. You, have you seen it? I think so. If it's got Jared Leto in it, I've seen it. It's got Ellen Burstyn, I believe. Directed by Darren Aronofsky. I don't know who that is. <laughs> don't worry then. Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. He directed right. Mother, Noah. Uh, what else did he do? Pi. Pi was him. He enjoys his mononyms. He does. And uh, God, I should remember oh, Black Swan. That's not a mononym. There were two words in the title of that movie. I, I'm not going down an Aronofsky thing. I quite like Aronofsky. Didn't like Mother though. So Homer was looking at buying a $25 hammer and instead he buys a gourmet non-refundable beer which costs $20. Yeah, he's still got five left. If you, but if you put that into perspective, that's a very expensive hammer. Yeah. Very expensive beer as well. Yes. For, for like 1992. Or if you compare it to the Flaming Mo, mm. which was pure spirits and six ninety five, yeah, <laughs> that beer is outrageous. Yeah, that must be like fifteen standard drinks at least. Yeah, and it mm. didn't even get set on fire. It yeah. didn't even have Aerosmith playing. We didn't mention Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah, better cameo than Green Day in that movie. It was a uh, bit of a simpering portrayal of Aerosmith. They were really into Aerosmith in that episode. I which really, is fine. I really enjoy that. This is the second time that you've referred to. 
portrayal of a famous person or persons as simpering. Yeah, I'm all about that simpering. It's really good. It's a good word. Uh, Homer goes home, he admits that he fucked up, and there's a lovely moment where Bart kicks his dad in the butt, (laughs) and his head hits the screen, and the noise of his head hitting the screen (laughs) is the sound of making contact with the old rounded TVs that gave me the weirdest hit of nostalgia (laughs) for those old shitty like rounded TV screens that would let off a bunch of static electricity and Mm -hmm. would make a very specific noise if you clung to them yeah it's beautiful it's lovely that is good isn't it yeah um uh only people born in the 90s will remember that (laughs) which we won't which no we won't (laughs) but we do um yeah yeah i've forgotten about that noise actually it's beautiful i've now got an odd hint of nostalgia for it too just a lovely little clumpy noise (laughs) clumpy i guess it's not really clumpy but it's you know, like the reverberations of the what, weren't the neighbors the convex screen. Yes. Mm. weren't weren't the neighbors in Bewitched called the Clumps? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I never watched Bewitched. Uh, it's kind of good. I and mean, that shows it's like a husband getting angry at his wife for being a witch, isn't it? Isn't that everything in the fifties? Husband <laughs> getting angry at their wife for she's doing a witch. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. I mean, the 50s were bad. Everything's bad. It's bad for women wall-to-wall. But it's, it's, you know. it's just, I mean, the number of um, episodes of I Love Lucy where the plot is specifically Lucy has to hide some minor thing from her husband mm. or she'll get killed by him. <laughs> Jesus. Like, it's astonishing. The 50s was... And, and But you know what? I don't think... Was that the 50s? I Love Lucy. 50s, 60s, somewhere around there? Early 60s, late 50s is my guess. It's not 1966 when Revolver was released. <laughs> um, or actually, sorry, Lucy had so many different shows. I'm specifically talking about I Love Lucy. Yeah. I think that was late 50s, early 60s. There may have been other Lucys, such as The Lucy Show, Here's Lucy, <laughs> the rest of that Seinfeld sketch, um, which uh, may have been later on. But Did you ever watch that show, Green Acres? What distresses me about the theme song to that show is it's a husband and a wife... And the husband's saying, we need to go live in the country. And she's saying, I really like the city. The city's the life for me. Here are the things I really enjoy. A penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. All of that. The song ends with him saying, you are my wife. And her saying, goodbye, city life. Like, that's what it comes down to. Is because she's the wife, they have to move to the country. It's his decision. I remember seeing that show on TV as a kid, and that always distressed me. That's not great. Just like, that's the solution. They have an argument, and he says, well, you're my wife. So you have to do this. Yeah. So I don't want to be that guy, but should we... Maybe talk more about this very good episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that we're meant oh, to be talking this has been about. A, this has been a long record and we've got nothing on the episode <laughs> so far. So Burns sells uh, the power plant for $100 million. Yes. $100 million is the budget of the movie Dunkirk. Have you seen the movie Dunkirk? No. So $100 million doesn't go that far. You know, it makes Dunkirk. Wouldn't make The Avengers. Wouldn't make uh, whatever that Justice League film was. Justice League, I guess it was called. Um, that $100 million movie, mm. is that a movie in which people report back to Milhouse's dad that various tasks are complete? <laughs> Done, Kirk! <laughs> They're going up to Kirk Cameron and saying, alright... Uh, Kirk Cameron? Yeah. Who's that? He's, uh, he's some very religious actor who is very into the narrative of the war on Christmas, I think. He's not great. I wouldn't oh, worry that about could, him. That can get fucked. Kirk Douglas. I forget who he is. Is he the one who's really into guns? I don't know. Kirk Douglas. Nope. No idea. Kirk's Lemonade. Good lemonade brand. Oh, pretty good brand of lemonade. The Simpsons. Kirk's good do, show. Kirk's do Pasito, I think. I really like that uh, Smithers is trying to learn German by listening to Tate's called uh, <laughs> Syncophantic German. <laughs> Syncophantic German. Very good stuff. Very wonderful. Very good. This is a really great episode, and one of my notes here just says, Harry Shear is a god. I think uh, <laughs> there's something about these early seasons. The writing for Mr. Burns is noticeably better than the writing for every other character. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Every line, like I know Schwartzwelder really liked writing <coughs> old-timey lines for Burns, and sure. it seems like everyone else does, because Burns just gets the greatest fucking 
mm. weird references and lines and when his he entire go- thing. And when he goes on his big soliloquy speeches, they are very, very good. Yes. I enjoy them a lot. And there was a, there was a little tiny burn scene in this, which, uh, you know, we've talked before about how one of the things that new simpsons episode does is that sometimes they'll hang on a joke for far too long Mm. there was a really nice burn scene where he takes the giant novelty check for a hundred thousand dollars turns it over onto his desk writes for deposit only cm burns and then just says that's a really big check (laughs) and then it cuts away to a completely different scene i enjoyed that so much because it's not at all necessary but at the same time it was the perfect amount of time to spend on that silly little throwaway joke. It is good. It's a good episode. A lot of Germans in it. How do you feel about the Germans? Interpret yep. that question however you want. <laughs> uh, um, yes, I feel like it's a very early 90s portrayal of the Germans. Um, nice little motorbike going past the house. Man, that guy must know when we're recording, because <laughs> I reckon the last three episodes have had old Jimmy motorbikes in it. Would you say that in some ways he is the third member of Bots in the Key of Springfield? <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the fourth one being the town of Adelaide itself. Because yeah. you see, Which to me is James, a character in yeah. the podcast. Yeah. I agree. Um, I also enjoy when Homer tells Smitty to safen up. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot what I was saying, so I just pulled the ripcord. Oh, Germans! Um, yeah, no, it feels like a very early 90s interpretation. I feel like uh, it was, it's no longer 100% okay, but, you know, whatever. Who cares? Well, they're very, I mean, they're very good workers, it seems. They uh, they certainly know how to run the plant until it turns out it's collapsing. One thing I find very, very interesting is when they talk about the Germans, Lenny says, Sure, they've made mistakes in the past, but that's why pencils have erasers. Now, there's this weird thing, especially in the 90s, just depicting Germans on TV and how they yeah. talk about Germans. Yeah. And, like, you know, there was the whole... I, I'm not that well-versed in German history, but I know... You know, I've read part of Stasiland. <laughs> I'm familiar with the Berlin Wall, you know. There's sure okay, there's yep. some stuff happening mm. in Germany. And that makes it, uh, you know, it always kind of feels like people who are portraying any aspect of German culture on TV have, like, a difficult line to walk in what they're going to do. And, Mm. yeah, I think that's interesting. I don't know whether they really tackle it head-on in this episode necessarily. Like, the, uh, I was reading on Wikipedia they were going to make it a Japanese company and then decided that would be cliched. That's why they went with a German company instead. Okay, interesting. And I'm sure they would have fucked that up somehow. (laughs) Because, uh, although maybe Richard Sakai would have, you know, pointed them in the right direction. Who can say? We can only hope. But I like the characters. And one line from this episode that I use all the time is when he's asking Homer (laughs) to have a... That was ten minutes ago. (laughs) There's that, yes. But the other one is... uh, when he's trying to express that, it, they, that they want to have a meeting with Homer, sure. uh, he uses the line, my English is how you say inelegant, and I'm a big <laughs> fan of that line, I use it all the time, and then he tries another attempt and he says, once again, I have failed, I use that all the time as well, because I fail a lot yes, in my you, everyday life. Yes, you do. For instance, yes. I've been trying really hard to get Dane DeVito on this podcast, and it's not working. You're setting the bar pretty, uh, you're setting the bar pretty high for yourself there. Yeah. Danny DeVito, though, if you are out there, for the love of God, you need to get in contact with me, or I'm falling apart here. Always Sunny doesn't go back to shooting until, like, April, and I think this episode will go up in, like, late February, March, so you've got time, buddy. I don't know if you can pin your life falling apart strictly on DeVito. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a too specific a thing, doesn't it? It uh, does. The Land of Chocolate scene is a really nice scene. Oh, Homer's so gleeful in that Land of Chocolate. And it just, it comes from almost nowhere and goes for quite a while. And it's just a beautiful piece of animation. It's wonderful. I think it's probably like David Silverman probably sketched this out. He shares sketches on Twitter all the time. It feels like a Silverman. Feels like a Silverman. Silverman, if you're out there, please confirm or deny. Sure. I'm sure we could have done the research on this, but why not just reach out to you directly? Ben Folds wrote an album just for you. Yeah, and Silver Chair just um, <laughs> fucked up their name slightly. Yes. <laughs> um, no, it, it, I'm doing all I can to be a silver man. <laughs> Can't find a silver man. Jesus. <laughs> that was way too loud. 
She lies and says she's in love with him. Can't find a superman. Why? Why do we do anything that we do? When um, so Mr. Burns, he's retired. He goes and does a bunch of you know other shit. Yeah. At one point, he's a beekeeper. Smithers comes to see him. He's an, is, he's an apiarist. Ooh, an apiarist. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. He has an apiary. You and your words. Me and my fucking You and your words. fucking dictionary. You were telling me before this podcast started a whole anecdote about having a giant dictionary that your I'm friend just... had bought you because you didn't like your previous dictionary. <laughs> so when I was 15 or 16, my parents gave me a dictionary for my birthday. Yeah, that's right. I'm a mad fucking nerd. Um, yeah, and it, was a, it was a dictionary and a box of condoms. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, But it's always annoyed me because it was a penguin dictionary. Um, whereas yeah, it was I, just references to different penguins and you learned so much about them. Whereas I wanted an Australian dictionary. So what my f- dear friend Laura gave me for Christmas is the Macquarie dictionary, which is... Uh, the one I wanted, because it's not like the Oxford English Dictionary Australian subset version mm. or whatever. Um, Which I think is the dictionary that I have at home. See, oh, my stutter's coming Which back. Which I've just had it's, since high My stutter's coming back. It's year three all over again. <laughs> Macquarie is Australia's like national, you know, mm. I want to say the word indigenous, but that has a different meaning. So Yeah. Uh, apiary. A place in which bees are kept... A stand or shed containing a number of beehives. I feel like this has added very little to nothing to our understanding of, uh, of this scene. Sure. Bees are on the what now? They're in the apiary. So they go there and uh, Smithers says that they should go because... Gonna, I'm just going to put my dictionary away sure, for the moment. Put your dictionary away. <laughs> Oof! You're wearing the headphones and that hurt my ears. Yep, that was... I I thought it'd be funny to just throw the dictionary on the ground. I didn't realise it was going to be painful. We might need to edit that bang or listeners will not like us. It's gone off the screen now, but... Yeah, it's alright. He said, we should go. Several bees are stinging me. Two thoughts on this. The obvious one is later, it it turns out Smithers is allergic allergic to bee stings. They cause him to uh, die. Steamed hams. That's a meme. That's in that episode. Etc. Etc. My main thought, though, is we should probably go. Several bees are stinging me. Is a great exit line. That's a good way to get out of a situation you're not enjoying. I think that is good, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's how I'm going to leave most parties. That I, you know how you get to a party and like every time you get an hour and like, nah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I, I I'm sure ha- that's a universal thing, right? <laughs> Just I, wanting to leave places immediately. Totally. And the weird part is, even if the party is literally my best friends. Yeah. You know, the, the five people on earth that I love the most. Yeah, the five people you'll see in heaven or hell or whatever. Whatever that book is. I don't believe in either of those places. But... Um, the, the, yeah, even if it's my five favorite people, so, you know, um, Bart, Burns, <laughs> the town of Springfield. The concept of missing fingers, was that one of them? The concept of having four-fingeredness. Um, oh, fuck. even if it's that, I still go, oh, how tedious, how tedious are parties. But I did hear... Parties. He- parties. I did hear a good tip the other day, if you're ever at a party. Get stung by bees. Always have two drinks. Because then if you ever get stuck talking to someone you don't like, you can gesture at the other drink and say, oh, actually, sorry, I've just got to get this to, to so-and-so. And then you just leave. You know what my technique is? I just go to the bathroom a lot. And I say, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. Interesting. And then once you've gone to the bathroom, you don't need to do anything. You just go in there for a moment. You come out. You're a free agent again. You can pick a new conversation. Oh, that's an interesting one. Mm. That's an interesting one. Oh, sorry. I, I should to... not be giving up my my tips for avoiding people on this podcast. So, sorry, I've got to take these drinks to the bathroom. What? <laughs> I got my techniques confused. Um, prank call in this one. Bart asks for a lady by the name of B. O. Problem. The thing I enjoy about... Oh, B. The thing I enjoy about this is that... Um, the bar is empty, save and except for the five male bar flies that are always there. And Mo still goes to all the effort of asking if there's a B.O. problem when Bart has specifically said he's after a woman. Yeah. Homer is at the bar because he has been fired 
from his job. A, de- a, a major detail of the episode that we have not mentioned so oh. far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this episode of our podcast, our Dumb Dumb Podcast. Yes. Little Dumb Dumb Simpsons Club. Little Dumb Dumb Simpsons Club. So, um, Marge sends Bart down to Moe's to get his dad, which seems like a very weird thing to make a 10-year-old do. Yeah, pretty grim, pretty grim pickings for a 10-year-old. Like, surely she should go there herself and take the kids. Go pick up your drunk, depressed, uh, non-employed father. Yeah. Um, from the one place that he's probably at his worst. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit grim. Have fun, little 10-year-old buddy boy. Buddy boy. The fact that the scene doesn't end up being even the least bit grim is nice. It is nice. Because uh, there's a very weirdly sweet thing about Mo really liking Bart. Yeah, and recognising the voice, and we think it's going to be a prank call thing, and then Bart makes an admission that he makes prank calls, which doesn't sit right with me, but anyway. But then Mo is... It's a scene that i completely forgotten about mm. where Mo just repeatedly talks about like what a great kid Bart is and mm. how much fun he is and what a crack up he is mm. and asks him to like sing for him and gives him a chocolate bar. It's fucking out of nowhere just Mo being a really cool guy towards this kid. Yeah, totally. Strange. It is strange. Good though. Good really episode. liked it, yeah. I like a lot about this episode. It is what I would call... A good episode of The Simpsons. How'd you come up with the terminology? Uh, I searched my heart for what I knew to be the truth. Sometimes you just really have to search your heart to know whether The Simpsons is good or not. You gotta listen to your heart when it's calling for you. Yeah, listen to your heart when it's do-do-do-do. I don't know the lyrics to that song. A lot of weird noises coming from outside today. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening outside. Anyway. Is that the ghoul that we know haunts? Is that part of our canon of this podcast that there's a ghoul in the house? I, I re- it's very hard to keep up with that bullshit. <laughs> I reject the assertion that my house is being haunted by a ghoul. That's yeah, probably fair. Now, Mr. Burns, he goes to Most Tavern with Smithers. They see Homer. Homer's, uh, Homer's very angry at him. He says, Smithers, who is this saucy fellow? Very nice. Very nice. And eventually they realize that he doesn't have any power anymore. Yes. He steps outside and he says, What good is money if you can't inspire terror in your fellow man? Do you think that is going to be Trump's 2020 campaign slogan? (laughs) Almost certainly yes. Yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't his 2016 slogan. I think if he was capable of that level of eloquence, it would have been. (laughs) I think if he manages to get somebody on his team who can... Just rein in the the cavalcade of bullshit. If he doesn't fucking die from being a cunt within the next... I don't know if you can die from that, but if you can, he's going to. Oh, fair. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, yeah, look. I mean, it's a good slogan, though. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, I bleeped an earlier use of the word cunt. I think I might leave that one in. <laughs> oh, did you bleep the other one? I bleeped the other one. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Because it just sounded harsh. Yeah, totally, totally. I don't, I don't really care if I sound harsh. About it. I mean, it's it, maybe it's a bit blase to say that Trump is a cunt, but he very obviously is. Anyway, anyway, a good episode. So much early Simpsons is about Mr. Burns, mm. it seems to me. Like, it's really... Every time Mr. Burns appears in an episode, he seems to become a fairly major part of it, mm-hmm. which I like. Mm-hmm. I like Mr. Burns. I like The Simpsons. I like TV. And I like you, my friend Nick. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, I've got no more notes. Are we done? I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess we're done with this one. All right. So that was good. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening to, you to can, our weird podcast. You can find us on the Twitters yes. at Key Springfield. Yes. You can find us on the Instagram at Pods in the Key of Springfield. Yep, we're on Facebook as well. Just search for our podcast, friend. You can send us an email if you want for some reason. Pods in the Key of Springfield at gmail.com. Or you can review us on iTunes or whatever the fuck podcatcher you're using. All of them. Should I get Pocket Casts? I keep hearing really good things about Pocket Casts. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to because someone. Because um, I'm not going to say that Podbean have ruined their app, but I mean, <laughs> thanks for hosting us, Podbean. I mean, we're paying them for it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, like a, actually, yeah, good yeah. point. Which means that I can definitely say they've ruined their app. So, Although I think around the time this episode drops, they are going to feature us on their website. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so it might be very bad timing. Well, I take it all back. To bite the hand that we are feeding. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. See you all next week. Yes, we'll be back next week for whatever next week's episode is. I haven't looked at the schedule. Bye.
You can say your thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the whistle? Yeah. That was ten minutes ago. was our first recording day? I don't know. I don't remember. I Although, actually, it would be written in this oh, book. Oh, yeah, because we... Be. 21st. We, we initially started the recording 21st. Day. We're coming up on our yeah. first anniversary cool. in eight days. Oh, that's going to be a Monday. Yeah. That's irritating. <laughs> oh, no, it's a Sunday. All right. Okay. Cool. I'll have to, like, get dinner or something. We'll figure it out. Sure. Anyway. I don't know if I should leave any of that in. I don't know how interesting that is to anyone. No, I don't think it is. Us making dinner plans. <laughs> Very vague dinner plans that we probably won't stick to. It seems like a conversation that could happen off the air. <laughs> this entire podcast, though. Did you find it weird when we went to the cricket and spent like three hours talking with no microphone between us? <laughs> I find every conversation I have without a microphone weird. I feel yeah. like I should be recording. I used to have like... People who I would talk to regularly who would say things like, this conversation is wasted on just being between us. This is something that the world needs to hear. And now I've got this podcast and nobody's listening to it. <laughs> and there's nothing worth listening to. <laughs> the weight of the world has got you down. You want to end your life. Bills to pay. Dead end job. And problems with the wife. But don't throw in the towel Cause there's a place right down the block Where you can drink your misery away At Flaming Mars Where liquor in a mug Can warm you like a hug C sharp to E minor I didn't look ahead for that, did I? And happiness, happiness is just a flaming moe. Happiness is just a flaming moe. In Springfield. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that'll do.